2: Welcome to Season 5, Episode 22. I'm your host, Jason Hill. And I've missed you. Hmm, Really, I have. Sometimes a week just feels like a month. You know what I'm saying? I was very pleased with the overwhelmingly positive response to Garden of Fiends. Yes, it's definitely a good one. But contrary to what many of you probably believe, even I sometimes get a little bit affected by these stories. And doing my best to inhabit those characters did put me in a bit of a dark place. It was also very long. So, nothing too heavy this week. Just a lovely, short, creepy pasta classic from tremendously talented friend and co-worker N.M. Brown. So if you're anything like me and you happen to be a minute counter, don't worry your little head. The final two episodes of the season will give you plenty to sink your teeth into. So consider this the appetizer. Shall we? Don't forget, you are listening to the standard edition of this program. And if you would like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and everything else, which is a lot, we've been around since 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today to get instant access from our friends at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Thank you for your support. Now, allow me to escort you to a place where the sun dies, where nightmares come to life, where those who seek the darkness need look no further. Welcome, listener, to the Horror Hill. You haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you. And now, Without further ado, from author N. M. Brown, I give you... Mac Woods. The kids in my town play like other kids. We look like other kids. And we sound like other kids. However, the children of our town are not like other kids. Other kids... Other towns don't have Mac Woods. It's heavily rumored that New Mac Woods is haunted ground. Legend states that if a child under the age of 14 travels into the woods after 8pm, they'll very distinctly hear a baby crying. I don't know why it's 8pm. Maybe because the sun's been long gone by then. I also don't know why the age has to be under 14. i can take a guess i'm assuming that it's because kids under that age still have most of their childhood innocence and they say that children are more sensitive to the supernatural than adults so that's got to have something to do with it. my friend ricky doyle lives down the block and over a ways from new mac and i'm staying at his house tonight we've been talking about going out there for months but just now had gotten the courage to set our plan into motion We're going to sneak out at 8.15 and go check it out. Ricky and I are both 11 years old since his birthday last week, so that checks out too. We shouldn't have any problem hearing the baby. It was all figured out. A perfect plan. We would eat dinner, pretend to go to bed, sneak out, hear the baby, and be back in bed before anyone knew we were gone. This was our chance to bring some credit to the story. No one we had known had actually gone to the woods. It was always a friend of a friend, or cousin's girlfriend's neighbor who supposedly went and experienced it. Not much went on in our town, and there wasn't much to do. I've always been mischievous, constantly seeking out adventures, and Ricky needs a friend, so it works out for the both of us. His interest in all things creepy and spooky is not as enthusiastic as mine is and i think he mainly goes along with my plans because he's just happy to have someone to hang out with school dragged on forever and finally it was time to meet ricky for the buses my mom wrote a note saying i could ride his bus home with him by the time i get there ricky is already at the bus loop aiden hey did you give your note to the front office to ride home with me I take a piece of paper out of my pocket and wave it around, like a flag of victory. Got the bus pass right here, I told him triumphantly. What's your mom making for dinner? I asked him. He told me we were having spaghetti. My favorite. We ate quickly that night without a word, not that there was much chance for one. We were shoveling in huge bites super fast, like we had been starved for a week. Ricky's mother smiled at us and she brought out a piece of cheesecake for each of us after we had finished. You boys want some dessert? Aiden, does your mom let you have cheesecake? I was about to open my mouth to say no thanks when I caught Ricky's eye across the table. He glanced toward the plates and nodded quickly at me. Thank you, Mrs. Doyle. I've eaten cheesecake with my mom lots of times. It's really good. Before long, we were saying our goodnights promising to brush our teeth. We stayed silent in his room after that, just waiting. I felt like I was going to jump out of my skin when it got closer to eight o'clock. Occasionally, we'd get a glass of water from the kitchen or use the bathroom, which were mostly excuses for us to see what his parents were doing in the living room. We were trying to track their progress towards heading to bed for the night, and finally, we heard their bedroom door close. Both of us had agreed to wait exactly 15 minutes after that to leave the house. With our jacket hoods pulled low over our heads, we dropped out of Ricky's window and entered into the backyard. It was chilly enough outside to where I'm thankful I brought my jacket, but not cold enough to be uncomfortable. Even if it had been really cold, the excitement in my blood would have kept me super duper warm, which is great. "'Aiden, do you have both flashlights?' Ricky asked. I shook my head in response. "'No, man, I thought you had yours. I just have this one.' I held it up and waved the beam around his face. He winced, putting his hands up. "'Come on. It's bad enough I don't have a flashlight. Now you want to completely blind me?' I laughed at this and told him we could try to share mine. I didn't want to risk sneaking back in and out of the house again just for one flashlight.' I'd just gotten old enough for my mom to let me sleep over at friends' houses that weren't in our neighborhood. We were just getting started with NUMAC, and I couldn't mess that up. We entered the woods, then spent a good fifteen minutes walking around. We saw a huge black lump off to the right in the middle of the trees. My breath caught in my throat for a second, and I shined the light towards it. It was an old, broken-down, and probably abandoned white car. The windows were broken out of it, so it was easy to see in two. We walked to it and peered inside, making sure to keep our distance in case someone was living in there. It does happen, you know. How the heck did this car even get out here? There are trees everywhere. Maybe it's been here since they were babies, Ricky said, I instantly corrected him, not missing a chance to show off. "'They're called, like, saplings or something. There's no such thing as a baby tree.' I scoffed at him, but then I thought about everything else that he had said. "'You know, that is a good question. It doesn't make sense that the car is out here like this. Hey, when it's daytime, we should come back and check it out for broken glass. If not, it can be ours.' We can be the only 11-year-old kids at school to have a car. Or maybe we can make a base out of it, I suggested excitedly. We continued to walk on, agreeing to check on the car again tomorrow. The trail was very difficult. Both of us keep close together to share the beam of light, but that made us bump together a lot. I felt like a pair of Siamese twins in some kind of weird three-legged race. We were bumbling and tripping over any and everything in our paths. It was a blast. We were chuckling and stomping around so hard that I could barely hear any other noises. But something weird got my attention. I shushed Ricky by putting my hand up, pointing to my ear to signal him to stop and listen. There, under the noise of the wind through the trees, I could hear something... I tried to sharpen my ears and block out any other sounds. Yes, yes, that was it. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know whether to feel scared, excited, or worried. Ricky, do you hear it too? The baby! Can you hear the baby? Even in the moonlight, I could tell that Ricky's face had turned a lighter color than normal. His eyes were wide, and he clenched his hands together. Yeah, um, maybe we should go now, he mumbled to me. I grabbed him by the arm a little more aggressively than I meant to, keeping him in place. Well, I'm going further. If you want to go back, fine. But remember, I have the flashlight. Sorry, I say, smoothing his army jacket out like that would somehow erase the act of me grabbing him. I just want to get a little closer to make sure we aren't imagining it. come on, please. We've come this far, we can't head back just yet. Against his wishes, he reluctantly followed me through the woods, both of us more scared than we were willing to admit. We seemed to be getting closer to the sound for a while, but then it just stopped. Ricky looked satisfied, like he knew he could start heading home then. He was happy that we got our answer to the stories of New Mac Woods, but for me, it wasn't enough. It didn't really answer anything, it just made more questions. I wanted, needed, to know where, if anywhere, it was coming from. The cry sounded very real, so I thought that maybe there actually was a baby out there. Maybe they were cold and hungry maybe they need help my mom had a baby a few months ago she's super annoying screams and pukes all the time but i would never want anything bad to happen to her to any baby puky or otherwise ricky wasn't having that though and he all but dragged me the way we had come i followed ricky back to his house and we snuck back in through the window and tried to go to sleep his parents were none the wiser
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I
1: Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever. And so is finally moving in together. Just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities. Lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They might even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together. But you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them. Because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place.
2: At first, I couldn't stop thinking about the woods and that baby. But after a while, the warmth and fluffiness of Ricky's bottom bunk quilt cuddled me into a deep sleep. Eventually, the lullaby of our snorts and snores drifted out of the cracked window and into the night. The next morning at home, I took advantage of my mom's tiredness, asking her after a long night awake with my sister if I could stay at Ricky's again next Friday. "'Unless you want us both to stay over here?' I wriggled my eyebrow at her, "'What's one more kid in the house, right?' I say. "'My mom turns to me, giving me an offended smile. "'Don't you pull that crap on me, Aiden Stewart. "'I would have said yes if you didn't try to reverse-sight me,' she joked, "'kissing me on my forehead as she walked past. "'I'm glad you two are such good friends,' she added, "'before leaving the room entirely. "'The school week was long and uneventful,' It seemed to drag on and on. You know how things get when you're really looking forward to something. Things become a blur with the end goal in sight. I did all of my homework and went about the motions, mentally counting down the days, then the hours, and then the minutes, until Friday. The day had come. I came to school more prepared than last week. I had extra batteries, two flashlights just in case, even some nighttime snacks and Gatorade. It would be just like we were going night hiking, if that's even a thing, which I'm pretty sure it's not. I brought the game that Ricky had wanted to borrow, too, and we met up and rode the bus to his house, just like last week. We went through the evening, having what they called Mr. Doyle's famous golden chicken breast this time. The excitement had eaten away at my stomach over the day, and I didn't eat as fast as I ate the spaghetti. Mrs. Doyle had bought some mini cupcakes at the store and gave us two each. We played some video games to keep ourselves occupied until his parents went into their room. Before long, we were out in the night air again. It was cold tonight, but in a different way. It was the kind of cold that my mom says will settle into your bones. Whatever that means. My breath came out in puffs and my teeth were trying their hardest not to chatter together with chills. I shook it off and pulled my jacket tighter around me, my hood over my head again like some kind of thief or ninja. The vastness of the woods can be confusing, and it's easy to get turned around in there, but I felt less worried when we passed by the weird car. We both had our flashlights, and I breathed a little easier because I knew we were on the right path. I had no idea where we were going though. I was just walking, hoping to hear the crying. Now I know it sounds crazy to want to stay, but I had a plan. I had made sure my dad's phone was charged the night before and I took advantage of my parents' new baby exhaustion. Again, I tiptoed into my parents' room like a ninja this morning to grab my dad's phone, turn it off and then put it in my backpack without anyone seeing. But it was also that when we went back in the woods, I could actually record the crying or any other creepy stuff. This time, we didn't stop at or even mention the car as we passed by it. Our once treasure of a find gave way to a bigger mystery as soon as we got a little further down the trail. I got the phone out and turned on the flashlight feature my excitement slowly turning into fear. I felt like I could totally puke right then. But I didn't. Ricky would have loved to use that excuse to leave the woods, so I tried to stay at least kind of calm. The thing that had caught our attention just after the car was a hatch, like the kind on those bunkers in war movies. We started to cautiously approach the metal hatch, which was positioned on the ground, I could see the moonlight glint off it from a couple of feet away, and I barely listened as Ricky begged me to walk away. Then, I heard it. A noise startled us, something that sounded like a rock being thrown on concrete, and then the loudest scream I had ever heard in my life came from inside. The volume was so intense and distorted that it almost didn't even sound like a baby anymore. We scrambled back and I dialed the police emergency number on my phone. I told them where we are and what our names and ages are. And when the dispatcher asked what the problem was, I held the phone out towards the metal. I yelled, practically screaming into the phone. We are alone in Numack Woods, and there is a baby and this metal door thing. I think it needs help. Common sense told me that an unattended baby underneath a metal hatch would not have survived over the week from when we had last heard it. But it sounded so real. As we were waiting for the cops, a figure came running towards us through the woods. I haven't ever been good at fight or flight. Freezing place is more my thing. After a moment, we started to run, knowing it couldn't be the police that soon. The figure loomed closer to us, his walking speed nearly matching that of our running speed. When I looked back the second time, Ricky's face disappeared from sight, and a cry cut through the woodlands. My heart dropped, and I realized this time that the screams don't belong to a baby. I ran back to Ricky's house alone and his mother held me tight as I told her what happened. They called the police and my parents too, not feeling like they had the option not to. My mom cried hysterically on the other end of the line and I knew that she'd probably be mad later, especially since she had to get dad to wake up, then get the baby ready and then come and pick me up. By the time my parents arrived, the police had just knocked on Ricky's front door and the officer politely waited for my parents to enter the house before entering it himself. His face looked disturbed, like he had seen something terrible. Please tell me it's not the baby. I couldn't hold back my anxiety any longer. Officer, did you find the baby? Is it going to be okay? I said a few hushed words to the adults, and my mother buried her face in my father's chest. I think she was holding back tears. The officer cleared his throat when he asked me to sit down. He assured me that no babies were hurt or in danger. Then he started to tell our parents what the police found out there in Numac Woods, inside of that metal hatch door. It appeared to be locked from the inside, and they were the first adults to hear the baby cry beside the 911 operator. After some attempts, they managed to pry it open. And then, the officer paused. He told me to leave the room, but I heard him though. I heard it all. What they found inside wasn't a baby. It was a very thin, weathered old man holding a tape recorder with the play button pressed. He was bare, except for a pair of dirty brief-style underwear that appeared to be stained with old blood. His teeth were also reported to have been reddish in nature, and his grey beard was streaked with crimson, the only sign they found of my friend, was his blood-covered jacket and his flashlight. You've been listening to New Mac Woods, written by N.M. Brown. N.M. Brown is a married mother of three who has taken the horror community by storm this year. She has lived in St. Augustine, Florida for her whole life, and took creative writing in high school. Her ability to create, terrify, and drive home stories is insurmountable. Whether you're a parent, spouse, animal lover, or anyone even remotely susceptible to fear, this is your girl. Brown's published works can be found in multiple anthologies for all to read. But be forewarned, if you do, you may want to call your therapist after. Or. Even better, sign up for BetterHelp and tell them Horror Hill sent you. Ann Brown's stories are terrifying, disturbing, and devilishly unsettling. She has not only a fright in print, but also has a creepy tentacle in horror podcasting as well. The sinister sweetheart writes, voice acts, and is the media director of the Scarecrow Tales podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, Please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear more lengthy tales, be sure to take a look at my audiobooks, available now on audible.com. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit SimplyScaryPodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free, ad-free, and available to download or stream. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases, and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the horror Hill. For yet another dance with darkness. I bid you good night. Sleep tight, listener. And whatever you do, if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to Horror Hill, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, as well as a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Jason Hill. Unless otherwise noted, selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Sound design, original music, and final mixing and mastering provided by Felipe Ojeda under the guidance of executive producer and director Craig Groszek. The program's logo was created by Craig Groszek, and this week's artwork provided by Omega Black, unless otherwise noted. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at horrorhill at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of the show. If you enjoyed what you've heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and Horror Hill on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. If you can never get enough spooky stories and can't wait until next week for more, and haven't already, be sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on YouTube for hundreds of free audio horror stories, including more performances from yours truly, and consider supporting us by becoming a patron at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next week with more frightening fiction to haunt your dreams. Until next time, I'm Jason Hill, and you've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast. Good evening and sweet dreams.